Good morning. So, many of you know I'm a great fan of declarations, and uh, these were some of the declarations that I've been kind of living through, praying through, believing for, uh, and doing. Um, I'm David. Thank you very much. Uh, Loved by God, a warrior, a prince in the kingdom. He has given me the freedom of Gravesend. Say with me, freedom. Come on. I am a champion, an encourager, an equipper. I'm training hundreds of people. I'm a supernatural teacher, diving deep into God's word, bringing up treasures. I'm a great book writer. If you're new to the church, who is that arrogant so-and-so at the front? Um, We have got used to celebrating what God is doing in our lives and kind of owning it. That's really what our declarations do. And you might be intrigued to know what that bit in the paragraph uh, is afterwards, but uh, you need to get some new ones. You are those already. So I had presented, I was doing a session on declarations with our second year group. There's a couple of them, they're just laughing. And um, one, of the, one of the group uh, sort of looked down at her feet and said, well, that's no good, David. You're those already. You need to get some new ones. <laughs> I'm the teacher here, you know, like, <laughs> no, I didn't think of that. Simultaneously, or as the Americans say, simultaneously, I realized that this was both a compliment and a challenge. You're those already. So you need to get some new ones. In other words, you've, you know, I mean, I will continue to be those things and do those things. That's my goal. So I set myself the task. I thought, you're absolutely right. And uh, so I went home and I prayed and I kind of went through my prophetic words. Uh, absolute great watch of them. It takes me all evening to get through them. And, um, and kind of just ask God, what, what are you saying for this next phase of my life? Now, some of you know that I have, um, on one sense, I've gone down to three days a week being paid by the church. But I'm still kind of seven days a week, you know, sort of pursuing God's kingdom. Um, just not paid for it all. And, uh, or at least not from the church. You know, it's just a season that I've entered into. I wanted to. Um, has a little bit to do with that. I turned 65 this year. I know some of you are thinking he doesn't look that old. And, uh, no, none of you are thinking that. But uh, so uh, I had to come back the next week with five spanking new declarations. So can we have the next slide up? Uh, I'm bringing a message of royal identity to the nations. I'm training up an army of spirit-empowered preachers. I'm helping create a university, a web-based learning center. I'm writing life-changing, community-transforming, kingdom-advancing books. I'm discipling nations, building businesses, shaping cultures, and transforming people. That's just Wednesday and Thursday. (laughs) No, I mean, that's all all the time. You think, well, are you actually taking time off? Well, actually, I managed to squeeze in a golf game. This was my first week of the three-day three-day week, and uh, I got in a sort of game. Although it was a twilight session, you know, I saw other, other things doing. I was busy during the day. And uh, thank you. Yeah. See me afterwards for lessons, said Roger. <laughs> um, so what I want to speak today, I mean, I, I'm doing that partly because I didn't get in on the end of the last one, but um, oh, the nine o'clock service, but also to kind of cast a vision for you. How long have you been going as a Christian, and how long do you expect to be going on a Christian, and how do you keep going as a Christian? 
How long have you been going as a Christian? How long do you expect to be keeping going? And how can you keep going? I wonder if you've ever thought about that. Somebody came to me after the nine o'clock surf and said, it was interesting to hear testimonies from people, although we didn't actually have the testimonies, people just stood up, of people who have been Christians for 50 years. And so often our testimonies are, how did you become a Christian? Or, you know, the latest healing, we want that to keep on happening, don't we? But actually, week by week, month by month, year by year, many of us are just, you know, keeping on going, aren't we? And there's a kind of miracle, a daily miracle in that. As God sustains you and builds you in your Christian life. So I want to look at some of We're going to look at Caleb in a moment and look at some of the secrets of what kept Caleb going. But just before we do that, uh, just think how many years you've been a Christian. Okay? I'm going to also ask you how long have you been in this church. But let's do the Christian one first. So just raise your hands if you've been a Christian at least two years. At least two years. All right. One or two of you haven't, that's fine. Bless you. If, you know, this is not, it's not a competition, by the way. Um, but just keep, it, keep your hands raised. So if you've been a Christian at least two years. Who's been a Christian at least five years? Keep your hands up. Ooh, pretty good. Who's been a Christian at least ten years? We are a mature bunch, aren't we? And, uh, who's been a Christian at least 15 years? We haven't lost anybody yet. Right, 20 years. Few hands down. Okay, twenty-five years, thirty, <laughs> thirty-five. Come on, have a look round. If you've, your hands gone down, keep looking at the people who've got their hands up. Pete, you're in the nine o'clock service as well, weren't you? <laughs> what did I get to? Thirty-five, forty, forty-five. I'm still up there, by the way. Forty-seven. So I go out this time. Fifty. Come on, give these people a round of applause. Now, in a sense, every moment of your Christian life and every year of your Christian life is is precious, isn't it? But what a wonderful testimony to have persevered. You don't need me to tell you of, and this is only like, if you like, the celebrity Christians that you hear about who kind of lose their faith. Sadly, I read about somebody this week, you know, they're... The, the current phrase is they've deconstructed what they believe. You know, that's awful, isn't it? I, I mean, we can change, you know, our, our beliefs can develop and mature, but I don't want to ever not believe that Jesus died for me. I don't want never to believe that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. I don't want ever not to believe that Jesus is coming again to take me into glory. I don't intend to reconstruct those faith, those, those foundations of my faith. And sadly, some people are. Okay, let's do something slightly different. Uh, Just think of how long you have been in this church. Now, I want to honor, if you've been in another church for other years, bless you. And this is not about that, but it's just kind of to get some sort of feel of what this looks like. So if you were part of North Kent Community Church or New Ash Green Community Church prior to that, or Gravesend Christian Fellowship, which became Living Hope Community Church, which then merged together in 2005 as NKCC or New Kent Community Church, and then subsequently became Eastgate. If you were part of any of that, for over five years, raise your hands. Have a quick look around if you haven't got your hand up. Oh, that's great. These people, these are the old guys. They've been around. You know. Who's been a part of that at least 10 years? Keep your hands up. 15 years. 20, 25, 30, 
34. All right. Oh, no, you're quite young. 35. 25. Well, that's pretty good, isn't it? Keep your hands up then if you've been part of that. Come on. Let's bless these people. Well, you can go and see them afterwards and say, what is the secret? What is the secret? And, you know, what is the secret of persevering, of keeping on going, of living your Christian life day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decades by decades? I got saved when I was 18, turned 65 this year, 47 years. Come on. I had no idea when I was 18 what I was letting myself in for. Probably just as well, <laughs> in some respects. Actually, both negative, I mean, mostly positive. I mean, there were some things, that, things happened, don't they? Stuff happens in your life, but God kind of brings you through those times. But what, what was the secret, or what is the secret of longevity? What's the secret of, or some of the secrets at least? So we're going to look at the life of Caleb. So if you want to turn, we'll get that passage up now. Um, Akin, <laughs> and then said Wakin, Akin, Wakin, <laughs> Akin. Uh, chapter 14, Joshua chapter 14, and verses 6 to 15. We'll just read them through. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Say with me, wholeheartedly. Put your hand on your heart, say wholeheartedly. I am wholehearted. I have a whole heart. Good. <laughs> what do you call any doctors? So... So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. Any 85-year-olds here this morning? Come on. Keep it, Lillette. Let's just declare this over you, okay? Let's do it together. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Amen? You okay with that, guys? You can put that as a fridge magnet, you know, if you haven't got it already. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there. They were the giants in the land. And their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba after Arba, who was the greatest man amongst the Anakites. He was a supergiant. And then the, land rest, uh, the, sorry, then the land had rest from war. 
So this is Caleb then, a man of wholeheartedness, isn't it? I like the message translation. It talks about wholeheartedness as being totally for God. When Jesus said, you know, in order to gain, well, if you hold on to your life, try and gain your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life, you'll gain it. When the Holy Spirit is poured out on us and we cry, Abba, Father, the Holy Spirit comes into our heart. We have a new heart. And that new heart is orientated towards God. And day by day, we have to say, Lord, I surrender. I lay my life down as a living sacrifice to you. That's how you live this life of longevity. This is how you keep going as a Christian. And first and foremost, wholeheartedness is an attitude, isn't it? It's a choice that you make. We'll look at some of the attributes that help towards that. But fundamentally, when you become a Christian, you, you know, me, I was 18, I knelt down beside my bed. I didn't understand what I was, entirely what I was letting myself in for. I had many questions about what would happen to me in the future. But I came to the point where I said, Lord, I just, you know, want to obey you and follow you. I want you to be my Lord. I'm not going to have control over my life anymore. You are. I surrender my will. I surrender my heart. And I want to follow you wholeheartedly. Whether I actually use the word wholeheartedly, I don't know. Um, Probably hadn't read Joshua at this stage. But, you know, that was certainly in my heart to do. And many of you, of course, have done the same. And can I just say, if... If you are struggling to find, you know, peace in God, if you are, somehow it doesn't seem to click for you, that your Christian life isn't kind of working out, just let God search your heart. Are you being wholehearted? Are you 100% committed to him? In Proverbs 4, 2, 3, it's an easy one to remember, isn't it? 4, 2, 3, chapter 4, verses 23, it says, Above all else, say with me, above all else. All right, when the Bible says that, it's talking about, Your first priority. Above all else, do what? Guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. What's going on in here, inside you, in your whole being, your mind, body, soul, spirit, that's really what the heart means in Scripture. It isn't what we tend to think in the the 21st century, just around feelings, although it includes feelings. It's your whole being. That's why being wholehearted means you're giving your whole being to God. You're laying down your whole life. Guard it. Look after it. Treasure it. And so really this morning is saying, well, how do I do that? How do I make sure that I'm being wholehearted? Because wholehearted is good in itself, but actually wholeheartedness is your secret for longevity, for persistence, for patience in the Christian life. And it's going to carry you home to to glory. So what are the three? Let's, well, what are the three? There are three, because there's always three in a sermon. You ever notice that? <laughs> three's kind of easy to remember. And actually, you can remember Caleb. You can remember three C's. The three C's are these. Courage, charismatic life, and conviction. Let's take one at a time. The secret of Caleb's wholeheartedness is that he has courage, doesn't he? Now, some of us shrink back from that. Oh, courage, I'm not a very courageous person. Do you know you can make a step of courage every day? Every day you wake up and commit your life to God, you are, that is a courageous step. Why? Because the world around you is not going in the same direction as you. 
Every day you have the potential, and I don't want to be gloomy, but, you know, but potential to butt up against the world's values. Sometimes that comes in the form of people, other people's opinions, other people's attitudes, other the atmospheres that you're in. And this is not to be defeatist, but you know, you wake up every morning, the world is not on your side. You are in the world, but not of the world, Jesus said. So actually your values and your priorities and the way you live your life is actually contrary to that. You need courage. And courage doesn't come, well, it can come in those big times, can't it, when you, when you face big problems. I like this quotation about courage. There are too many people praying for mountains of difficulty to be removed when what they really need is the courage to climb them. How do you climb a mountain? One step at a time. Isn't it? How do you chop down a tree? One blow. At, well, if you old-fashioned, you know, this is not... This is an axe. <laughs> One chip at a time, isn't it? And actually, most of our big problems take time and take effort and take concentration until they're gone. It is in the, you know, well within the capability of God to break through. And often we can pray for something and it's removed straight away. Other times it's a process. Other times you have to hang in there. Imagine Caleb, for instance. Caleb has, what's he living with? Well, Caleb, of course, with Joshua, when they came out of the Red Sea and they came into, you know, into the desert, what was going on, going on with them? I can't see the time. Where are we? Oh, 22. Somebody walked out. I thought, it must be five to one. No. <laughs> Whew. Relief. And uh, Joshua and Caleb, what sort of situation were they in? Well, they were the spies, of course, with the 12 who were sent into the promised land, spied it out and came back with an amazing report. It's fantastic. It's not only good, it's exceedingly good. God's delight and favor is on us. We must get in there straight away. Trouble was, there were 10 other spies who came back with a different report. There were giants in the land. They were petrified. So Joshua says in verse 8, But my brothers who went out with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. So those 10 came back. I mean, it's almost like a bit of democracy. Now. Well, there's 10, there's two for and 10 against. What does that mean? The 10 win. That's what the people must have thought, wasn't it? They infected the other the people so much with fear that, of course, then what happens is they don't go into the promised land. Now, think of this from Caleb's perspective. Caleb now has got 40 to 45 years of disappointment ahead of him. He was bold and courageous enough to say, come on, guys, let's go straight into the promised land. That's what God has said. God has just brought plagues upon the Egyptians. He has taken us through the Red Sea. We have come out with the riches of Egypt. What's not to like? Who's on our side? The heavenly hosts. Come on, let's go. Day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, Caleb has to live with the discouragement and disappointment of those people not taking that decision. You think you've got problems. <laughs> what are you wrestling with at the moment? Caleb woke up every day with, with, in that scenario, didn't he? Every day he had to find the courage to believe that though they had, because of the people's rebellion, they weren't entering into, that nonetheless the promises of God would be fulfilled. And as Rob read out that verse from, from Josh, you know, 
Joshua's testimony is just every promise is fulfilled. God has promised something. He will do it. God promises his building. He will do it. I will set you at the east gate of the city. Yes, he did. The city of London, and then he built a city around us. How's that? It's a miracle, isn't it? None of us knew about Ebsley Garden City. It may have been a twinkle in George Osborne's eye. Who knows? I'm not sure who he is, the previous uh, Chancellor of, uh, of the Exchequer. Now the editor of the Standard. Yeah. God keeps his promises. And there are probably many promises that, that you've had. But courage comes when you look back and say, well, I still believe the promises. And there's that lovely song that we sing now, isn't it? Even though I don't know that whether you're doing anything, I don't feel you're doing anything, yet I believe. That's what faith is, isn't it? It's simply saying, I believe what God said. And I'm going to hold on to that. And God has given us so many promises and fulfilled so many promises for us. That's what builds courage into our lives, isn't it? Second thing, Caleb leads a charismatic life. What do I mean by that? He's, you know, he's not even, he's born before the charismatic movement, isn't he? Charismatic, based on the word charisma, simply means gift from the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not a New Testament invention. It's all there throughout the, Holy, uh, the, throughout the Old Testament, right? Uh, the Spirit of God comes on Joshua and, and the others. They prophesy. You know, the Holy Spirit is around, not quite in the same way, and not in its fullness that we get, you know, in Pentecost, but the Holy Spirit is there. What encourages Caleb in his daily walk with disappointment? And those wretched people, those others, well, he's living a charismatic life. Every day he's seeing miracles, isn't he? Every day, where is his food? I mean, uh, the, I picked this up from, looking for my glasses, they're on my nose. <laughs> um, just in case you want to. In verse 10, he says, just then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said to Moses. How has God kept them alive? Well, he's kept them alive by providing manna every day. By providing quails every day. By providing them water when they needed it. They have a pillar of clouds by day and a pillar of fire by night. They are seeing daily miracles. Now, there was a time in our church when we, that didn't happen to us, did it? We didn't have the encouragement of daily miracles. In fact, it wasn't so long ago we probably thought we just got them weekly. I mean, I'm thinking about miracles of healing here, but I mean, miracles happen all the time, don't they? The fact that you wake up in the morning is a miracle. So I think, that's one I could do without. <laughs> but actually it is, isn't it? God is sustaining you and keeping you. See, although we, it's useful to talk about natural and supernatural, and we do, or we probably will continue to do, actually all of life is God's life. All of this world is God's world. God is working supernaturally to sustain you. The only reason you're alive is because God sustains you. <laughs> so you think, where do I get faith for healing? You are walking around with a walking miracle. Look at this. It's a walking miracle. Somewhere in here, there's something pumping blood around my vein. I don't know how it works. How does this brain work? Well, I've often wondered that. But <laughs> nobody really understands. I mean, we're getting, perhaps we get a little bit closer and new neurological science is developing all the time, isn't it? 
You know, people think it's electrical charge. You ever thought that? Electrical charges. Going off in your brain. That's one theory. I don't know, but perhaps it's more than a theory. Any neurologist here amongst us? No? Okay. I'm safe. <laughs> you are a walking miracle, aren't you? But as you pray, and, I, and, and our conviction here is that you can live a life of miracles. You can see breakthrough after breakthrough, healing after healing. You are a walking, talking, healing machine. Turn to the person next to you, say you're a walking, talking, healing machine. Now, obviously, you're more than a machine. You're not a machine, but you know what I mean. So press in. Keep pressing in. I mean, we often talk about miracles and healing here, so I won't step on that. Uh, Step on that. Stay on that. (laughs) I won't step on it either. But the Holy Spirit is in you. So you have the potential to release the presence of God wherever you go. That's what Caleb, the secret that Caleb has. The final secret is his convictions. That's his courage, his charismatic life, but his convictions, isn't it? Why is Caleb so convinced that God will take them into the promised land? Well, let me suggest two things, apart from the miraculous things that he keeps experiencing every day. He has come through the Red Sea. He was there. He walked with the people of God through the Red Sea. He saw the waters close and drown the Egyptian pursuing army who were out to kill them. He saw that great miracle. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Many of his compatriots, they get into, you know, beyond the Red Sea and they're complaining and wanting to go back. It's one of the deep mysteries of Scripture. What on earth do they want to go back for? Let's go back to slavery. We really enjoyed it. There was a sense of security, knowing every morning we'd get up and get beaten. You know, at least it was predictable. Now we're into total unpredictability. Who's going to look after us in the desert? There aren't any, there's nothing to feed us, nothing to sustain us, nothing to keep us. Why have you done this to us, Moses? You're supposed to be this great deliverer and you've just brought us into the desert. Well, you know, I was trying to get you into the promised land, remember. Caleb has got hold. He's got the message for the manifestation, hasn't he? Oh, there's one. I didn't do that in the nine (laughs) o'clock. You get a manifestation of God's power, but there's always a message that goes with it. The message is, God is your saviour. God is powerful. He can sustain you. It doesn't matter if there are a thousand deserts in front of you. He will keep you through each one. Why? Because he just demonstrated. The other thing is this. Caleb Sullivan's secret. Why is he so full of faith? Because he has tasted the promised land. He's been there. He's seen the evidence. He's brought out the. I mean, if you've got an old-fashioned Bible, it's got picture. I've got, you know, one of Charles' Bible men with sort of great big poles, you know, between them, and these huge grapes kind of hanging down from them. It's a wonderful picture, isn't it, of fruitfulness. Some people chose to see the giants. Other people saw the goodness of God. But Caleb had tasted the promised land. Have you? Have you tasted of the promised land? You see, we, are, we know where we're going, don't we? We know where we've come from. We know we've been saved from our sin, been given the righteousness Forgiveness of God and the righteousness of God. We are Christ. He is our Father. He is indwelling in us. He is 
flooding our heart with his love and his power. But we also know, as Paul says, the Holy Spirit that has done those things in our heart is a seal, a deposit, just a deposit. What a great deposit. But, you know, just a deposit of, of the promise of what is yet to come. Heaven, here we come. Heaven where there's no more sin, there's no more evil. There's no more dying, sighing or crying. Where we live forever in glorious harmony with Father, Son and Holy Spirit, loving one another. Where there's no division, where there's only unity. Where there's no lack, there's only wealth. Where there's no sadness, there's only joy. Where there's no grief, there's only rejoicing. We have tasted of heaven, haven't we? Put your hand up if you've tasted of heaven. And yet we also pray for heaven to come to earth, don't we? But we know, because we've tasted already of God's goodness, we know that that's the deposit for what is to come. And people who know what's to come will be the great world changers in this life, won't they? That old adage, you know, you're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good is actually incorrect. In fact, desperately wrong, isn't it? The more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly goods you will be. Why? Because you know what's in heaven and you know how to bring it to earth. So every step that you take, every decision that you make, every prayer that you pray, every healing that you heal, every prophecy that you prophesy, every prayer that you pray, you're releasing heaven here on earth. And we keep doing that until we, you know, suddenly heaven catches up with us, both personally, when we die, or when heaven comes down because Jesus brings it in all his fullness and all his glory. Let me just challenge you. You'd expect me to find a declaration in a passage wouldn't you but here's Caleb's declaration where he says but the Lord helping me this is in verse 12 but the Lord helping me I will drive them out just as he said what is it that you're doing that you can that's both been prophesied or promised to you that you can put into a declaration of intent and a declaration is intended to go beyond where you are at the moment. My five declarations. I'm only beginning to scratch the surface of them. But, I, but in the declaration, I am both exercising my faith for more and at the sim- simultaneously encouraging my faith. Here's Caleb. He's not in there yet. I like it actually quickly in uh, Judges chapter 1. It's, you get the finalization of his destiny where it says, Judges 1.20, as Moses had promised, Hebron was given to Caleb, who drove out from it the three sons of Anak. They must have been big guys. He drove out the demons. He drove out the, the, you know, the, the opposition. He drove out the enemies and he inherited the land. What is it that you can formulate? By that means, I don't mean make it a formula that you just repeat. But what is it that God has called you to do and to be? What declarations do, do you have? And like me, I was caught out. <laughs> You're those already. Some of you will look at your declarations and say, yeah, I'm, 
already doing some of that. Is there, is there an extra dimension? We've gladly sung, I will do greater things. What are the greater things that you will do? In your family, in your work life, in your church life, in your kingdom life, in all its, its glory. What's God's? Let's just wait. Let's just wait on God, shall we? Holy Spirit. Hmm. Let's get a pause for my voice. Let the Holy Spirit bring to mind the things that you need to stir up. <laughs> the promises of God, the prophecies of God into your life. What I encourage you to do is to, as soon as you can, when you get home, just write, write them down and write them down in a similar vein to, I have to use my words, but you know, I am, I am going to do that kind of language. I felt it this morning too. I felt that, that, that verse in Judges about Caleb having to deal with three giants, that there's some amongst you, I mean, you may be staring down a giant in your life at the moment, whether it's a giant around your employment or house or relationship or problem or difficulty, whatever it is. You think, I have a giant and it needs to be slain. I don't mean literally go and kill somebody, but you know what I mean. So, Father, I just want to pray for you. If it's anybody in that category, you're facing a giant, whether it's one, two or three. Some of you may be three. It'd be a giant of illness. If you keep your hands up for a moment, if you're sitting next to somebody with their hand up, just put your hand, if they're happy, just check with them. Just turn around, find some, just lay hands on them while we pray. Father, we thank you that Caleb kept going. Kept going because of his courage, kept going because of the Spirit of God on him, kept going because he had the convictions about promises and prophecies. So we want to release over you now. Over you personally, in your body, we release healing. Break the hold of those giants of disease now, Father, in Jesus' name. Break the hold of dementia. Break the hold of arthritis. Break the hold of cancers. Father, there is no giant that is too big for you. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. We release healing over you now. If you feel healing or not, we can witness to some healing, then do tell us afterwards. It's always encouraging. But Father, we also pray for circumstances, circumstantial giants, things that, where things have just seemed to be crowding around on you. And you think this can't, you know, this is kind of breaking me. <laughs> Father, just come now with courage and strength and power and breakthrough. Let your people be champions who face the fear. See, courage is an absence of fear. Courage is overcoming fear. You're always going to, fear's going to always be knocking at your door and you can always resist it. But sometimes you're in the middle of it and you need to know that. I've given you a, not a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of love and power and a sound mind or self-control. So Father, we release that spirit into your, that situation, a spirit of love 
and power and breakthrough that will bring order where there's disorder, that will bring peace where there's unrest. We just decree peace over you now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that all the wealth of the nations, greater wealth of the nations, is stored up in heaven. So, Father, I want to pray. Just raise your hand if you want need a need of provision at the moment, supernatural intervention, jobs, whatever it is. It's just a provisional need. All right, folks, here, you're on the ministry team today. We don't have a ministry team. So if you see someone with a hand up, lay hands on them. So right, have a look around. There's people that haven't got a hand on them. It's always good to do that. Move out your seat if you need to. Somebody in the front row here. Yeah. Father, we just love asking you because you love giving. Father, you have the wealth. You you own all the wealth. You are the richest man in the universe. (laughs) Nothing is impossible for you. So we release finances. We release buildings. We release jobs. We release provision where it's needed. Father, pour out your spirit. Ask God, what is it you want? God's putting, either you know the figure, or God's just saying, just ask me, be specific. How many thousands do you want? It's not, if it's less than a thousand, you can still ask for that. <laughs> Cal and my testimony is we, we went looking for a new house, and we had a, a wish list of 12, and we got all 12. And afterwards, I thought, why didn't I make it 20? <laughs> I think God loves to respond to our holy greediness. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. He loves to be, you know, test me in this. It's the only place in Scripture that God ever says that, isn't it? Test me in this. See if I will not pour out Malachi 4. Well, I pour out blessings from heaven on you. It's like God saying, I have it for you. It's not wrong to ask. Ask me. Test me out because I can do it and more so. So, Father, we thank you for that. 